Hi, and welcome to the Dog Sports Decoded podcast. My name is Megan Ritchie, and today I wanted to try to tackle uh, agility training on your own and coursework. So uh, in this podcast, I hope to cover how you can start practicing uh, agility on your own uh, outside of class, where you can find courses to practice and what kinds of courses to practice and how to read course maps. So let's dive in. Um, if you've taken agility training classes, and I wouldn't recommend you start agility practices on your own before you take a class, you definitely want to do some classwork to cover how to safely use all the obstacles and teach you some of the handling skills you're going to need. So I wouldn't recommend just sort of winging it. Um, but once you've taken a few classes, at some point you're probably going to want to start to practice on your own to get a little bit of practice outside of class. Um, so that might be renting a training facility or um, or purchasing your own agility equipment. Um, I think Outward Hound carries a really inexpensive kit you can use. It's mostly PVC pipes um, to set up jumps so you can take them and practice them anywhere. Um, so at some point to get better and improve you're going to want to start to practice on your own outside of classes likely so I wanted to cover some skills that would help you do that. So if you're at that point you've taken the classes but you're not quite sure where to start um, that's what I wanted to cover today. So typically if you've been to an agility class as you work your way up the levels uh, typically what I've seen the instructors do is set up a basic course and throughout the class, you're just going to practice those obstacles either in one continuous course or break it down into chunks and maybe switch up little pieces depending on how the dogs in class are doing. So that's probably what you're going to want to do in your own practice. So that might be setting up a very small course and practicing a specific skill like going behind an obstacle or, or doing distance work or something like that. Or it might just be setting up a whole course and practicing. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to cover today is more a whole course. Uh, that's what I've seen more at a beginner type level, uh, which I would consider myself, uh, versus doing specific drills to work on specific skills. So uh, in my mind, when you're just starting, typically the hardest thing to do is to figure out where you need to be, your own footwork, how to handle your dog through a course, and then of course, remember a course. So uh, typically when you're just starting, I think that's where you are going to find yourself practicing. It's just that coursework, how to memorize a course um, and how to run it and position yourself so you're in the right spot to guide your dog. So that's what we're going to cover um, courses. So the obvious question then is where can you find courses to start? So uh, I'd say there's a few different resources you can go to. If you are um, in a class, you can certainly ask your instructor or, you know, take a picture of a uh, course that they have set up. Uh, you can also attend a local agility event. Often they will post courses on the wall that the competitors will be running. So even if you're not ready to compete yourself, you can certainly go and spectate and uh, just take a picture of the courses that they are running. So that is certainly a possibility. I wanted to flip you over to a couple other resources though that are at your disposal. Uh, so this is a favorite of mine, this agilitycoursemaps.com. And what I really like about their website, as you can see, they have broken down quite a bit of the course maps. They've got a ton of maps available, um, but you can see it's broken down by organization. So if you are running a specific organization, you can search by that. Um, you can also search by the level of the dog. So if you are brand new and listening to this, you're probably going to be running at a starter's level. 
uh, especially if you have not competed before, you will definitely be at a starters level. And then they also have these class divisions. So you might see some of these classes change um, depending on the organization, some of the names change, uh, but these are some courses, um, different types of classes you might run. So just different divisions, they have different, um, so where the level is your skill level, I'll say, and the titling level, the class is the type of course you'll run. So what obstacles are included, how you score points, or what timing is allowed. So uh, so that's primarily what I'm going to talk about today. You can see they also have um, show date. So if you want to pick a more current type of course that judges are running today, you could search by show date. Um, you could also search by judge or club. Today we're not going to focus on that. We're just going to look basically at the level, so I, you could filter this by level just by hitting that and, um, and searching for the level you're in. You can also search by class. So this, these levels and classes become important um, as we're starting, obviously. So as I suggested, uh, if you're just starting out, you've not competed before, you're just starting to compete, you'll be looking for this starters level. Uh, and then for the classes, I typically recommend um, either jumpers, standard, or gam gamblers. So what I did when I started trialing Tess, um, because we were brand new, um, I, I didn't want to enter too many classes in a day. I didn't want to overwhelm either of us. It's a lot of stress um, when you're just starting. So for myself, I really like standard and jumpers. So when I started with Tess again, um, our weaves weren't very strong and standard does have weaves in the course. Um, so what I typically did is I planned to, I'll say, compete in the jumpers. So that was the one I was really going for. And then I treated standard as just sort of a practice, kind of a confidence boost for both of us, um, knowing we weren't, weren't going to get the weaves part right away. So if that's... Uh, if that's kind of your situation, I that that was kind of my thought process. Um, gamblers is another one people really like because there really is no set course. Um, you know, the obstacles are set out in a specific place, so you'll see a course map in that sense. But other than a couple mandatory obstacles at the end, um, there is no set course per se. So, uh, you know, the obstacles are out there, and then you can send your dog to whatever obstacle you want to collect points depending on how many points each each obstacle has a certain number of points as kind of value so um, you know if you take a jump it'll have so many points if you do a dog walk it'll have so many points so the idea is to get as many points as you can in the time allotted and then there's a mandatory um, distance component at the very end that you have to do so you can do whatever you want um, within within your course time as long as you end on um, and complete the final obstacles so uh, so for some beginners, they find that uh, much easier. They're not worried about remembering a course. They just have to send their dog over whatever obstacles and then finish the last three. So the only part you would have to memorize is the last three. Uh, so some people really find that helpful because they're, they're not stressed out about remembering the course. Um, I, I was sort of the opposite. I was like, well, I won't, I won't know what to do out there and I won't know what to take. And um, so I haven't done gamb gamblers myself. Um, but those would be the three I would recommend uh, starting at. So if we flip back here, um, uh, so this um, Agility Course Maps is a great resource that you can use. Uh, so again, if it was me, I would just find one that says it's a starters level, and then under classes I would look for jumpers, um, standard, or, uh, or gambler. So that's what I would look for, and then you can just hit view here, and it will pull up 
um, the course map for you. So from here, I think you can save the photos here. Um, yeah, I can download the map here. Um, but this is just a really great resource. It's a way, so if you're renting a training hall, um, you've got kind of a, an example that you can follow to set up. So when I've set them up for myself, I haven't worried too much about exactly pacing the courses out when I set them up. Um, I would just look at the, uh, at the map and kind of judge as best I can for the space available, uh, you know, how I can set it up to match this map. So, um, so that's one resource you can go to is this agilitymaps.com. Uh, they also have a Facebook page. I believe they're the same. Um, so you can go on Facebook and find that. Um, another good website you can take advantage of is Agility Nerd. Um, to me, when I've looked at that, it looks more like specific drills you can do. Um, but if you're at a little higher skill level and you want to practice specific skills, that's a great resource to you. Uh, they also provide a ton of uh, valuable information on uh, on how to uh, to read courses and things like that. So Agility Nerd is also a great resource that you can take advantage of. And um, I've also seen maps on Pinterest or just searching Google Images. So there's a few different um, methods that you can use to uh, to find course maps. Um, and those would be the ones that I would recommend. Again, I really like this Agility Course Maps um, just because it's so simple to find uh, courses to practice that are at your skill level and um, and the specific class that you want to enter. So, so that's what I would recommend. So I know some of this terminology can be a little intimidating, so I just found a couple videos on YouTube and I thought I would just show them to you to show what the differences in the classes are. So this is just a starter's standard agility, so we'll just hit play here. And you can see what it's going to look like. So he's at the start line. Um, that first judge is where the uh, the timing is going to start on his run. And so you can see this again is standard. So standard course involves all of the agility equipment. So we've got the dog walk, tunnels, jumps. Onto the table. The dog's got to wait there for five seconds. A release over the jump and then we're going to attempt the weaves uh, he's had, had to redo the weaves so that's allowed in um, in starter <laughs> jump tire you can see he lost his dog's attention which again very common in uh, when we're just starting out. All right, so that was standard, and now we are going to go to a jumpers. So jumpers, in my experience, much simpler course. As I mentioned, this is kind of the one that I was going for when I was competing with Tess, um, and it doesn't have all the obstacles. So typically just the jumps and the tunnels, as um, the name might invoke. You do have to watch the organization you're playing with. Some of them do have weave poles. Um, but again, this is a little faster course to run and uh, doesn't have all the obstacles. So if your dog isn't confident on all the obstacles, jumpers can be a good one to either um, practice or compete in. So there we go. All right, and lastly, um, this is a gamble run. So we'll just hit play. And again, in Gamble, you kind of, it's make your own course. So you can see there is a set course and obstacles set up, obviously. Um, 
but uh, it's up to you how you interact with them. And again, each obstacle is given a certain um, number of points. So typically, uh, if your dog is confident in the obstacles that have a higher point value, you'll redo those as often as possible to get a, a higher score. Um, but if your dog isn't good at a certain obstacle, like um, say a teeter-totter, you can skip it. And then you can see at the end, this is the mandatory course you has to run. And I'm just going to pause it here. If you see this red, red line taped next to the judge, kind of, or sorry, next to the jump here in the middle, um, that's sort of the distance portion of Gamble. So she actually has to stand behind that tape when sending her dogs through these final obstacles. So that is um, Gamble. Um, So it's just a it's a nice game if you're stressed out, um, you know, competing, worrying about doing a course. This one, very few mandatory, um, you know, set portion of the course that you have to remember. So that's kind of a nice option. All right, so we've talked about, um, you know, when you might want to start to use some of your own courses and do your own practicing. Um, you know, if you're feeling like you're, you're doing well in class, um, but you'd like to get a little more practice in and maybe compete, it's time to probably start to practice on your own a little bit. Um, so now we've known kind of what type of classes are available. So we've got our standard or jumper, gamble. There's a bunch of other classes as well, um, but that's where you might want to start. And then again, we're starting at the starters level. Um, but obviously, as you earn earn your qualifying scores and your titles, you're going to bump up to more difficult levels. Um, but that's where we're going to start. Um, so I've shown you a couple places you can find courses to practice. Um, again, primarily here with um, agilitycoursemaps.com. So now we've found our courses, uh, we need to know how to practice them. So I'm going to flip over here uh, to, this, uh, to this one from Agility Course Maps. And you can see, I just kind of want to walk you through how to read these. So again, if you're setting it up in, um, in a practice scenario, I wouldn't worry so much about pacing these out exactly, just kind of roughly, um, roughly set them up. But I want to show you how, how to kind of look at a, uh, a course map and kind of either walk it in your head um, to memorize it or, um, or to kind of figure out what to do when you're practicing here. So I'm just going to, I think, cover what some... <laughs> Some of these are pretty obvious um, as far as you know what they represent on the map, but I'm just going to walk it through. So um, you can see in the bottom right-hand corner, there's uh, there's a jump there. So that's what the one that kind of looks like a barbell is, um, and that's labeled number one, and it's got S's. So that's your starting point. That's where the clock is going to start when you are competing. Um, so that's where you're going to put your dog behind that jump. Um, so in this case, it'd be you know probably placing your dog somewhere around um, that little number 10 and have them kind of sit stay um, to prepare to go through the course. So that's where you're going to start and then you can see the next obstacle is labeled number two. Sorry the mouse there is doing funny things. Um, is labeled number two and that would be your tire. So you can see the design is a little bit different than the jump barbell which is number one. And from number two, we're going to go to number three, another jump, four is the tunnel. And then just looking at the end of the course here, if we drop down to the bottom left-hand corner is number 14, and that would be a, um, a, a long jump. So, um, so those are kind of what some of the maps would mean. Um, maybe we'll go, go look at a standard map here for a second. 
So on this one, on the right hand side, you can see number two is a dog walk. Number five would be an A-frame. And then 11 there would be the table. So that's kind of how you'd, uh, how you'd read these. Um, and then on here, it looks like the tire, tire jump is number one in the bottom right hand corner. So that's how you'd read the map here um, uh, in this instance. So it's obviously if you're if you're printing a course map and setting it up, you need to know what these little diagrams look like and what all the little symbols are. All right, so we're going to go back to our uh, our jumpers course here. So um, let's say you've, you're in the practice session, you've set this up, um, and now we need to kind of memorize the course. So uh, typically, what I've done in uh, in classes that I've I've gone to, so we, where we've had an instructor, she would take a course like this. So this one is 14 obstacles uh, to our course, and she'd break it in half. So we're just going to do the first seven obstacles. Um, I'll say in order as a block, and and do that first with our first run through, and then the second um, time we practice, let's say we might run through the last seven obstacles. So that's just an easy way you can kind of break it down if you're just starting. So we're going to do the first half of the course um, and not worry about the second half of the course just yet. So um, so it's kind of a good way to, to piecemeal um, your training time. So in this case, again, we're going to start at the number one, have our dog in a sit stay, go over the jump. Um, so this is where kind of as you're planning your course, um, how you're going to handle your dog, you really want to pay attention to um, where you're going to be. So if I was running this with Tess, let's say, I would have her in a sit-stay somewhere around that number 10 marker, um, ready to do her first jump, and I'm going to have her on my right-hand side. So I'm going to use my right hand to kind of direct her. Uh, it's pretty much a straight line from one, two, three, four into the tunnel. So if I keep her on my right hand side, I can just run along with her. I could stand, um, if, if they have a good sit stay and don't need a lot of support, you could easily stand um, you know, at number two or even three um, and just call your dog over the jumps. But uh, assuming we're a little more beginnerish, I'm probably gonna be pretty close to her and just have her on my right hand side. So I'm just gonna ask her to jump one, two, three, call four into the tunnel. And then at that point, I'm going to switch um, sides. So as she's running through the tunnel, I'm going to do kind of a rear cross. And now I want her on my left-hand side coming out of the tunnel. So coming out of the tunnel, I'm going to have her on my left. We're going to go over the jump number five there. And then I'm going to push her into the tunnel. Again, still using my left hand. I'm going to do another rear cross. So now I want her on my right-hand side coming out of that tunnel. And we're going to finish with that number jump, seven jump in the middle. So those would be, as I'm planning my course for that first half, that's where I would do my crosses um, and switch hands. So I think that's, uh, that's what I would suggest when I look at this. And that's what I would practice. So I would, if I was renting a training hall, doing this on my own, I would practice exactly that. Um, you know, finish at number seven there, kind of reevaluate. Did we have any trouble with anything? Did that go fine? Um, if it went fine, maybe we'll run it through one more time. And then, uh, then I would move on to the second half of the course. So from there, again, I could just start at, uh, probably start at number seven there. Um, at this point, um, I would want her on my left-hand side. Um, so in the prior portion, I'm telling you, I'm going to have her on my right hand side coming out of that tunnel over the jump seven. But now as I finish the other half of the course, I actually want her on my left side. So again, practice wise, we are going, I'm going to have her sit 
about halfway between the tunnel uh, be on our right here as we're looking at the screen but um, that number six tunnel and then I'm gonna have her sit halfway in between sit stay I'm gonna ask her she'll be on my left hand side I'm gonna ask her to go over that number seven jump and then we're going to move to the number eight jump number nine jump as kind of a pinwheel and then into the tunnel so from there that's all on my left hand side um, so I don't have to switch sides there coming out of the tunnel we're gonna go over that jump in the middle again which was our number seven now our number eleven and push her into the tunnel so all of that's with her on my left hand side I'm going to um, do a rear cross in the tunnel um, so as she's coming out of the tunnel she'll be now on my right hand side we're gonna go over jump 13 and then over jump 14 to finish and you can see the little F there in the uh, in the circle to indicate that that's where time will finish so again I would just practice those last seven obstacles in our, our training time um, again, if there's any problems, we can go back and tweak things. Um, if for some reason, you know, they're sucking into the tunnel and I want them to do a jump, uh, we can kind of work on some of that, um, some of those skills. And uh, as you're doing this, you can certainly push yourself to, to work more from a distance and things like that. So um, that's how we break it down. So assuming we've done both halves now kind of correctly to where we're happy with them, now I would try and run the whole course. So this is where, uh, you know, we might have to change our thinking. But again, if I'm starting at number one, I'm not going to handle that any differently. I think the only hiccup we had um, was at that kind of number seven jump. So if I'm starting, I'm going to have uh, my dog on my right hand side, go over jump one, two, three, four into the tunnel. Uh, I'm going to switch. Now the dog will be on my left hand side, go over jump five, push into the tunnel. Um, now I'm going to do a rear cross so the dog is on my left side to go over jump seven, kind of do the pinwheel for jump seven, eight, nine, ten into the tunnel. So that's all on my left hand side. I want to switch now, do another um, cross, rear cross, front cross, whichever is um, easier for you. I want my dog on my right hand side over jump ten into the tunnel. 12 and then over jump 13 and 14 so that last little bit's all going to be on my right hand side so um, as we walk through that i think that's three crosses we're going to have to do and again so you're just going to have to think about you know how fast is my dog where do i have to place myself to um to give myself time to do those crosses and uh, as i'm looking at this most of this is going to be pretty easy um the big challenge where i would see you know I'm going to have to be fast or really watch my footwork is coming out of um, tunnel number six, doing a cross into um, start that seven, eight, nine pinwheel. So that's what's looking like the bigger challenge to me as I'm, I'm looking at this course, um, where might be the sticky point. So I might have to practice that, that cross two or three times um, to get that whole course right. And I could just piecemeal that. So if that's the part I'm having trouble with, I wouldn't run and, uh, and tire out my dog crazily. Um, as I pr practice um, and make them run the whole course over and over and over again, I might just piecemeal that, um, you know, over jump five into the tunnel six, front cross seven, eight, nine. I might just practice that a few times until we're good at it. So um, again, if we're, we're training on our own, maybe we've rented a facility for an hour, that's how we're going to break it down. Um, you know, that first seven obstacles, second seven obstacles, and then the whole course. 
Now, if you, your dog still has some gas um, in their tank and uh, you still have some time on your rental, you could uh, you could flip that around and now run the course backwards. So you don't have to you know move all your obstacles, heavy obstacles around. Um, you can just do it in reverse. So um, instead of finishing at number 14, let's say we start there. I could have the dog on the left hand side. I could do jump 14, 13 um, into the tunnel, kind of where it says four all on the left hand side. Um, over jump five into the tunnel six, uh, pick up the dog and just kind of keep going with that. But uh, you could break that down again. Let's say uh, what is on here, obstacle 14 to seven. I could do that in reverse and then do seven to one. And I, so I could piecemeal that again and then I could run the whole thing in, uh, in reverse again. So that's how I would break down a practice session if it was me. Um, and it's just kind of a, a quick fun way to uh, to get your practice in and start to build your own skill set when it comes to like okay I've set up my course how do I need to handle this um, with my dog we're going to be this what are going to be the sticking points for us in a particular course um, and just kind of practice remembering courses themselves uh, you know it's, sh it's shocking how quickly in the class you can forget you know as you're waiting for your next turn like oh okay what obstacle came after that um, and things like that so it's good to start to build those kind of memorization skills um, as you go all right so quickly um, if I want to cover just some tips to help you remember the course I think the breakdown we've walked through is is a helpful way to remember so you're breaking it in half you only have to remember seven at a time and then as you piece it together um, you kind of can remember from your prior trips kind of some muscle memory there for your handling um, another way I've heard uh, I, I find it's easier for me to remember it on paper and then go walk the course so if you have rented the hall I might print this out the night before and kind of you know visualize it um, before I ever get to the training hall, just kind of visualize it and try and, and memorize it. And then again, it looks very different when you see it in person. So I would kind of walk the course like you would if you're competing, you know, just, just practice without your dog. So, okay, I've got my dog on my right-hand side here. I'm gonna do my cross here and, um, you know, just kind of visualize it without your dog and then bring your dog out um, and, uh, and go and, uh, and run the course and give it a try. Um, another tip I've, I've heard for other sort of memorization type things is to work your way backwards. So if I was trying to remember this for a competition, I'm going to start at jump 14 and build from there. So as you um, add jumps, um, in theory, uh, you know, you're just, you're making your memory stronger at the very end of the course where it's typically hardest to, uh, to remember. So you could start remembering it backwards, so to speak. Um, so whatever you find helpful, but I definitely find it helpful to visualize quite a bit ahead of time. Um, if you can watch dogs at a competition, run it in front of you. Sometimes that's helpful and it can be helpful to walk the course and see what other competitors are doing, especially if they are more um, experienced than you. You can see as they walk the course where they are putting in their... Um, their crosses and how they're handling it because people will will kind of do that as they walk the course um, before the competition there's always kind of a course walking time um, where you can walk the course yourself and see competitors do it so sometimes that can be helpful because sometimes they will do things and you go oh i never would have thought to do it there but that makes so much sense um, but do be careful if you're watching prior competitors 
not a big deal for a, a practice like this or in a training class but uh, if the competitor in front of you does something wrong and then you think like oh well they must know what they're doing so I'm gonna do it that way too um, you know they could be off course they could be totally wrong and disqualified so don't pay too much attention when you're competing to, to what people are doing but if you're walking the course sometimes that can help to see what other people do so I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about today. I hope that helps you uh, if you are setting up a practice time for yourself to go get a little bit more experience and uh, you know, you're thinking about competing and you just want to get a little more practices in outside of your, your class. Um, so I hope this gives you a couple, a couple resources to help you do that if you're not quite sure how to structure your own practice time. So just kind of to summarize, um, typically what I've seen in classes is just setting up a course like this, like we've talked about today, um, chunking that course into two or three pieces, practice each piece at a time, then try and string the whole thing together. And, uh, you know, typically if you're just practicing with one dog, that's going to take you your one hour rental time by the time you, you run through each, each bit. And, you know, if there's specific problems you're having with certain obstacles, uh, we didn't talk about it too much. Um, there's certainly lots of problems you could have on course, but uh, you know, in this one we didn't deal with dog walk issues and things like that. So where if you want your dog to do a dog walk, but there's a tunnel next door and they're sucking into the tunnel, um, you know, there might be some pieces there that you have to, um, you know, pull out and do some uh, troubleshooting and uh, and little drills like that. So calling your dog away from a tunnel to do a, a dog walk, let's say. But um, this course that we we walked through is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. So uh, that's the way we want it when we're just starting. So I hope that helps you structure your own practice time. So now you know where to find course maps that you can use for your training, um, how to kind of piecemeal and uh, set up a little bit of a timeline for your, your practice to get the most use out of your practice time, and a couple different ideas of how you can uh, teach yourself the course and remember the course, because that's definitely a stressful part of it, is uh, to figure out how to stay on course and how to um, handle your dog through the course. So where you need to put your crosses in and where you might need to move away from your dog a little bit to pull them off of an obstacle they might really like doing. I hope that gives you the confidence you need to start to get out there and practice on your own. Uh, you know, it's not rocket science, really. You're probably going to mess up a whole lot along the way, like uh, like all of us do. But, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. Just pull a course map, get out there and start to practice it, piecemeal it. Um, you know, really the only, only way to get better doing this is just to practice it over and over and over again. And so you know how to read a course map so you can actually get out there and do it. So I hope that helps. Um, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.